Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Your host, Mark McGinnis, Australia's number one social seller, author of Tactical Pipeline Growth and B2B Sales Trainer, brings you expert opinion, tactics, and discussion to help you get more out of your time on social. In this episode of the Boss Podcast, we decided to try something a little different. How to find a prospect on LinkedIn, build some awareness with them, connect, and then move that onto a phone conversation of value. To help me map out that process, I'm joined this week by Chris Justice, cold call and outbound call team leader, as well as Tino Ho and Stuart Turner from Binary M. I'd be really interested in your feedback with this type of approach. I don't think it's something we'll use every episode, but if you do enjoy it, we'll try and do more just like it. Before we shoot across to the conversation, a quick apology. In this episode, I used a new microphone, and the quality from my mic is not the best. Whilst I've fixed it for all future episodes, it's a bit scratchy all the way throughout this one. I hope you can bear with me. Thanks for tuning in to the Boss Podcast. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the podcast that helps you become better at using social for sales and lead generation. Today, we have another of what we call our masterclass. This is where we pull apart a particular social selling technique or strategy and share it with our listeners so they can go and take action themselves. Today, I'm joined by some master stars. Chris Justice, thank you for joining us. Hey, Mark. Good to be here. Joining us today without a cough is Stuart Turner. You're the Chief Growth Officer from Binary M, I believe. I am. Thanks very much. Good to be back, Mark. Pleasure. And also... Mr. Tino Ho, the CEO, no less. Thanks, Mark. Delightful to be back. Good to have all three of you superstars on the show today. So the concept today is going to be how do we use social to actually start real conversations? And of course, the reason why we're talking about this now is there's some solid research around so many people are using social now in the age of COVID when so many people are in isolation or a version of the work from home situation. More and more people are on LinkedIn, more and more people are digital selling. And of course, we're big fans of that. That gets two thumbs up from us. But there's probably a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people that are struggling with that concept of what do we do? How do we actually find somebody on LinkedIn? How do we interact with them? And then how do we start a conversation offline? So via a telephone, email, whatever the case may be, that's I get to talk about my products and services in a sales way, like a proper sales meeting. And so, Chris, we've got you on today as one of our masters. Can you give us a little bit of a background about your expertise in outbound calling? Yeah, definitely. So previously, before the whole COVID situation hit, I was managing an outbound team of around 30 to 35 agents. We were working on behalf of the same number of clients. uh, And we were tasked with doing the world's most favorite sales job of outbound cold calling and introducing companies to other companies and setting meetings. So that was a fantastic experience. And during that time, uh, rolled out a couple of different methods and brought a few new insights that I thought might work. And we had some great success. So that's basically been my little stint there. And then previous to that, lots of work in the sales space and research into the passion of psychology. Yeah, great stuff. So we had you on on the B2B meetup in 2019, of course, where you came and just blew absolutely everyone away with your process around outbound calling. And I think, guys, and I'll get you to 
either agree or, or disagree, Tino and Stuart, but I think Chris was probably our, our favourite presenter. And when I say our favourite, like the, the attendees really warmed to, to Chris. I think he went down on treat. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell him to his face to make him get too big-headed about it. But yeah, I think he was. Uh, he was definitely one of the. Um, I think the more engaging speakers, and like you were saying, nobody really likes the idea of outbound cold calling. But I think you managed to make it seem one less scary, uh, and two actually like something that you might even want to do. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I look at Chris. I mean, I think you're absolutely a superstar in this space, and that's why we've got you on today. So thank you very much for coming along. Um, what are you doing? What have you got in the plans right now? So, from a works perspective. Oh, geez. Besides getting a, a big head from being on this podcast and that little talk up, um, <laughs> I've been working uh, in a bit of the consulting space. So, I guess bringing those insights that um, went down a treat with uh, that audience. And, and thank you for having me, guys, on that meetup. That was fantastic. And bringing those insights, sales training, really trying to bring that human element and encourage, I think, really the next generation into what is probably the most feared part of sales called calling. So yeah, that's that's been me for a little while and, and thoroughly enjoying it. Okay. Well, that's great. Let's see if we can't round up a bit more interest for your little consulting job today. So we're probably not going to hear a lot from you until we get down to the business end of this process. So Tino and Stu, you guys are the social media marketing gurus. Uh, perhaps you can set the framework for us in relation to how we might find and start to find an ideal client and start the very first part of our engagement process? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought a good place to start is, I think we touched on it previously, is step one, identifying your audience in the right platform or pool. And if we're saying that's LinkedIn, which is very suitable for B2B, but everyone's got a different audience definition. But assuming that that's all correct, it's um, all about How do you go from not knowing someone or never interacted with them as someone you don't completely know to creating some form of engagement and communication and advance that further down the path and social and content are key elements to which we believe to how we can activate that. I mean, our our philosophy is people's social content. They're the core principles that we operate by and Stu and I talk about that day in, day out. And whatever we're doing, it probably sits in one of those three, if not all, core sets of principles. And so, I mean, that's the first starting point that we begin with is identifying the, the people, the right platform, but then creating communications um, to be able to create an initial engagement and then sort of move that along along the path. Okay, so let's say we've come up with a, a persona or a target, if you like. So I've got some ideas, but let's, you don't want to hear from you guys. So what might be some of the first step? What persona do we want to work with today? Do you want to work with CMOs or do you want to work with VP of sales? Uh, let's go with, um, what about a CMO? Okay. Or maybe their direct report, director of marketing, something like that. Are we happy with that, lads? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, now we're getting difficult. Yeah. Those guys and, and HR, world's favorite. Tough, tough crowd, tough crowd, definitely. <laughs> Two of the worst, I think, like as in the hardest, sorry, for those that are listening. This is recorded, by the way, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going hunting for CMOs. Woohoo. Stu, what would be your first strategy there? So, um, I'll give you a bit of a, a, just to kind of expand briefly on what Sina said, a view of the process just to make this make sense. And then we can dive into how we'd actually specifically approach them. So where we we really hone in on that, the CMO persona is um, just to take a bit of a steer from consumer marketing. You kind of want to know what their concerns are, what they're interested in, 
a load of your usual audience demographic type stuff like where are they what are the size of businesses they're working in what times of year might they want to talk to you and when are they going to be like super busy like when everyone's putting pressure on to get campaigns live and even how fresh are they into their job so things like that can give you a good idea of how open they're going to be to to talk about something new let's take a real practical tangible example let's say you've got your eyes on one cmo or marketing director at a particular firm like the first most basic and most easiest thing to do which is the first step in research or we can call it social listening if you want to call it that is just google their name when you google their name you'll see a whole array of different depending on what their social footprint looks like online and their digital presence you'll see a whole array of results come up and you know that's a really good starting point to do some research and try and create a bit of a profile of this person. What are they like? What don't they like? Are they active? Are they not? And you'll probably see in most instances, the LinkedIn profiles in the uh, high up on the search rankings when you Google someone's name. And so when you click through to that, you can start to look at how active they are, what are they talking about? And you can get a, you can start to get a pretty good sense of some of the things that Stu's mentioning uh, that shapes what that person probably likes and dislikes or thinks about or is interested in. in, in not. And then what you'll start to do is if you look across different social platforms, it doesn't just have to be LinkedIn, but that's a very rich source or a good data point to try and build someone's profile on persona. If you look on YouTube, are they active presenters? Have they appeared in videos? And have a look at what they're talking about and what the area of interest is. And all of a sudden, you start to build a good picture of um, what they would be like if you were to speak to them or communicate with them uh, and how to position that conversation that first off the bat, you'll find lots of good stuff, I think, depending on who it is. So some people don't have much of a social presence depending on what types of people you're going after. I think that's that's a good focus, Mark. So I'll give you my concise and practical steps, having learned some things from your previous feedback to, to go through there. So if they're an average person, they're posting some stuff, you know who the company are, you know where they are, blah, 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 right? Here's what I do at that point. I would... Uh, do a bit of um, what I like to think of as professional stalking, desktop research. And I would say, right, have a quick scan through what they posted, see if there's anything useful, yes or no. Let's assume it's all average marketing, blah, can't really draw any useful conclusions. Done that, take that off. Next thing I would do is go to their company website uh, and try and reverse engineer some of the things that they might be doing in their marketing campaigns, right? So some really easy stuff you can tell there. Do they have a blog or some sort of media center on their company site? Has their company featured in any news recently? If they're publicly traded, can you see any company reports or any stuff that's been going on? Uh, as Tino said, like the internet is a treasure trove of useful information, but it's just not gonna it's not gonna throw itself in your face. You might need to go do a bit of digging and find it. So let's assume to keep it hard that you don't find anything particularly useful from there. What I then do is probably investigate their other social channels and dig through their connections, friends, you know, kind of activity within their network and then try and find the same things. So if they're not publishing much, maybe they're liking things, maybe they're commenting on other people's content. Maybe um, some of their colleagues or friends have changed jobs, done stuff. And that whole process of just kind of continually cycling through company information, personal information, posting, commenting, you know, can build up a pretty rich picture of what somebody's like, even if they don't really tell you a lot themselves. So I think there's a little sideways step here. When you say that we're doing some research and that they're connections, et cetera, if we're in the same industry or we're selling to that industry a lot, there's a high probability we're going to have a lot of second connections shared. So, you know, if I'm selling to CMOs every day of the week, for example, there's a very high probability 
and I'm selling to CMOs that are located in Sydney, there's a high probability some of my connections are going to be their connections. You know, like if there's a really obvious, easy second connection that you could leverage, now's the time to pull that trigger before you get too stuck into lots and lots of social activity and social research. And we sort of exit straight out to the telephone at this point. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in, you know, the researching and not doing. I think that's something that you're really good at, Mark, is like you just kind of an obvious point just to do something is it shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, um, that sounds fantastic. I mean, you know, do I like it? Do I feel comfortable with that? And if I got a message request saying, hey, my name's Mark, I'm friends with Tino, he's recommended we chat as there might be an opportunity. Of course, you know, I'm going to accept that. So I really like that. I think I have a bias towards the phone with my previous history. I think a referral is one of the most powerful things that you can get. And even in cold calling, if you're, if you manage to get through to say, just quote unquote, the marketing department, not necessarily the decision maker you want to speak to, having someone say, oh, you need to speak to Mark, they look after the you know, SEO of our company. And then the next time you call through, if you can't get transferred through there, you've got that power of recommendation. And that alone skips the beginning, say, two minutes of cold calling tactics and training that you need because the moment you name drop and say, hey, I was recommended to speak to you by so-and-so because they said you look after SEO, is that correct? They go, yes, and the doors open. Is that technically no longer a cold call if you've been referred in then? So, <laughs> is, it, is it a cold call if you've already spoken to them and connected on LinkedIn? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay. So people aren't expecting your telephone call and, you know, they for the sake of this, conversation let's just call it a call what we're trying to do is just start good value conversations so whether it's a cold call a warm call or just a call i really don't care it's a call so let's say bob didn't accept my connection request how could you leverage mary's and my conversation in the first couple of lines in a telephone conversation honestly what you said almost verbatim on the phone would be powerful enough to get through so when i cold call or when i was went out when my team was cold calling. The number one thing, and I think what went down well with the people I've taught it to is being upfront and in a really strategic way, asking for permission. So if you were calling up Bob, he hasn't accepted your LinkedIn request. I'm probably not going to drop my, my surname if I manage to get through to him. Getting through reception and all of that, that's, that's a whole podcast on its own. Let's say I get through to Bob. Bob picks up the phone. I'd say, hey, Bob, my name's Chris. I'm calling because your previous colleague or uh, one of your connections on LinkedIn, Mary, said that we could connect as there might be an opportunity for us to X, Y, Z, you know, depending on what your company is. That alone, I think, is pretty straightforward and good to go. Yeah, I think there's this massive disconnect that people think that the communication must be significantly different and more complicated. And it's in a lot of instances, it's just about using the same sorts of language. But for some reason, people can't put common sense onto social and they can't actually put, they can't put the social into the telephone. It's, it's really crazy. I was just, just going to call out something you said there, Mark, that I think um, was quite important where you, the significant point, I think is what people get stuck on, where they feel like every piece of communication has to be really significant. Whereas, you know, it is in a sense because you're reaching out, but at the same time, exactly as you guys are saying, it's fine just to be like, hi, I know someone you know, they said I should talk to you and then go from there, right? You don't need to over-engineer it. Correct, but we do because people are in sales and they're, and they're too busy focused on the size of the potential opportunity 
not on the conversation. The conversation is just a conversation. You know? As Chris would know, if the conversation doesn't go very well or it's a no, whoever you're talking to has forgotten about it by the time they've hung up the telephone. It's a non-event. That's how, if you've got a second connection, we would, we would jump straight into a telephone call or get a connection on LinkedIn. What about we've got to nurture a bit more on social? Tino and Stu, what would be the next steps? Maybe Tino, if we can hear from you, what would you think would be the next steps for nurturing that online? Create a bit of engagement first is look at maybe some of the comments that the person is making on social and reply to that comment. So for example, uh, I know you're really good at doing this, Mark, as well. It works extremely well. If someone's commented on another topic of interest to them, obviously one, you know, that topic is is of interest, but you might have a point of view that complements or is relevant to that conversation that that person's already having with someone else. And you can sort of join in on the conversation, right? And that's a because it's public, it's not intrusive. It's like they're expecting other people to interact and join the conversation. So really just join an existing conversation. You don't even need to create a new one. There's conversations already happening. And by the fact, the mere fact of joining that, you're in the conversation and that's how you start to build engagement and relationships. And that sets you up for the next step. I think whether that's a call or it's a further message or whatever the next step is that you're intending to do. Some of the things I'd be trying to do, so I'm assuming that my LinkedIn profile is going to be attractive to that person because you know I've built my LinkedIn profile to be a honeypot, if you like, for those CMOs. So I'd be going to look at their profile straight away and I'd probably be looking at their profile a couple of times a week. And like you said, Tino, I'd be in that feed. So looking where they're commenting and making sure I was also being found in around that and trying to share content that was aligned with the conversations that they were already in. So if they were talking about, let's just say lead generation, so that's really easy, you know, then instead of sharing something around podcasts, which I'm inclined to do, I'd go, okay, if I'm trying to have a conversation with Bob and Bob's a CMO and he's talking about lead generation, let me share some stuff that's of the same ilk so that it's got some value for poor old Bob. So then I might share some stuff and see if I can't get his attention to it. Turn on. Yeah, and just building on that, again, this is one of the things that you, you do quite often and do it really well. But I think some people might be a little bit uncomfortable with it because they might not really do it enough. But um, even tagging other people in on that conversation that can add a bit more context or another point of view, that normally really helps as well. And the beautiful thing about that is it can start to amplify the audience in other people's feeds, which kind of is a win-win for everyone in that conversation, depending on what you're trying to achieve. But yeah, I think tagging people and saying, hey, Mark, what do you think? In addition to the person that you're trying to build um, some engagement with as well. It's really simple, but highly effective. Yeah. And works really well if that person that you tag is connected to that person that you're trying to talk to. Yes. That, actually, that's a good one, to be honest, because like, if there's mutual connections with the person you're trying to build a relationship with, if you tag them in and you know that person as well, that, that's really powerful. And I think well, one thing I've thought of is if you look through, if you can see the connections of the person you're trying to build a relationship with or who they're engaging with, you can start to get a sense of like who, who's that other person they've got a good relationship with already. So you can actually, without even asking them, by just doing the right research and then tag them in, that, that's a pretty interesting way to do it as well. Chris, did you have something to throw in? Oh, I just kind of had a question. Do you guys have like a, a recommended kind of like to comment pathway? So, I mean, I, I just think about like, you know, when I connect with someone new and I'm purely not in the sales role, right? But I've just connected with someone new and they're posting a bunch. I like personally, I'm like, oh, I probably won't comment straight away, I'd maybe like a post here and there. And then eventually I'd feel like, oh, maybe there's enough report to comment, which kind of leads me to another question of, do you guys think there's like an optimal time to call? 
Hey, let's take a quick break and take care of a little bit of business. We'll be right back. If you need more conversations with your ideal buyers or to simply sharpen your prospecting skills, check out Mark's latest book, Tactical Pipeline Growth. It's a complete prospecting guide. It outlines step-by-step the process to build a strong and healthy pipeline. Mark has included a huge amount of valuable sales material, such as templates, call and email scripts, the best cadence plans, as well as social selling templates for you to use and start prospecting straight away. Tactical Pipeline Growth is available from Amazon or directly from www.markmc.co slash tpg. Okay, let's get back into the podcast. So when you first connect, LinkedIn does you a favor, right? So so let's say you and I have disconnected today, Chris, right? So LinkedIn will put my content at the top of your feed and your content at the top of my feed for a short period to help us build a relationship. And that's amplified if I go to your content, like it, comment and interact and vice versa. So if you've got somebody that you want to have at the top of your feed, that you should interact with their feed and their interactivity as soon as you can, because that teaches the LinkedIn algorithm that Chris is somebody I want to hear from. So please put his stuff at the top of my feed. I think that this to me is where the magic is, where you've got to balance things that naturally, you know, kind of like resonate with you when you're on social with your stated business purposes and just try and find a happy medium between those two to sort of generate the results that you want. But I also think that when you first interact with, connect with somebody, there's, you know, like you're new, you're both new. So that's the opportunity to set the expectation. So I'm super active on LinkedIn, as we all know. So if you connect with me, God, don't connect with me and expect you're going to be left alone. So <laughs> that's totally reasonable because it's a two-way conversation, so it's not a one-way broadcast. So I think that's what it's all about. And I think we can't forget that, right? Okay. So yeah, there's some good tips there, I think. So we've now, let's say we've connected with Bob. Okay. So we've been on the platform, we've tagged people that we know. We've now got to the point where we can send a connection request. You know, so, hey, Bob, I can see we've crossed paths on LinkedIn here a few times in the last couple of weeks. We've got a few familiar connections. And I prefer to put somebody in there, such as Chris Justice. Let's connect. 99% of the time, that person's going to connect because they know that you've looked at their profile. They've looked at you. You've been in the same feed. You've mentioned Chris. They're connected to Chris. There's no way this is a temperated outreach, right? They're going to connect. What do we do next, boys? I'm just going to briefly hand off to the other two. It's just a bit of a cough up. But uh, at this point, I would say (laughs) this is where you, if you've adopted my stalking approach, you go back to your very detailed notes on Bob and you know that he's company is just you know I, I don't know they're on the up they've just closed some new funding round you know he likes playing I don't know badminton somewhere at the weekends some other random thing about him see maybe he's more interesting than, than you thought Mark behind the scenes you know just despite the fact that he's bland on the surface so what you then do is you take that information and you give it to the person who's going to be doing the the, the calling like so Chris I'll pass this over to you and I'd say right here's all the stuff that I found out about this guy right Here's my last interactions with him. Here's what ideally I would like to happen. And maybe a couple of other things that you can do if he doesn't want to do the thing that I want. Give him a call tomorrow. And then, you know, you kind of take it from here. Over mm. to you, Chris. That's interesting. So I'm calling to set you a meeting in my stew with with Bob the badminton player. <laughs> That's an interesting approach to book a meeting on behalf of someone else and someone else's LinkedIn connections. But I guess that would make a lot of sense for you know senior management if if you're in a senior position and 
you know, you're a CMO and you need to connect with another CMO or along those lines, having someone to reach out and do that connection for you. I would probably be calling that person directly, either on their mobile, if that's available and acceptable, uh, otherwise through the company lines and kind of using that connection as my referral. So kind of tying it back into what we talked about before, you know, hey, Bob, I'm calling on behalf of Stu. He's passed me on your details as you've crossed paths a couple of times on LinkedIn. And he's uh, mentioned that there might be, uh, you know, an opportunity for us to work together. Do you have, you know, have, hopefully I've caught you at a good time and I can introduce what we do in a little bit more detail and you can let me know where to go from there. I think that, um, that referral is actually really nice in that situation. Yeah, it's pretty disarming for the person making the phone call too because you're calling them from on behalf of somebody else. So there's like this whole barrier of safety almost. <laughs> you know, so you're not rejecting me. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the other guy that I'm calling for. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. But I, I would like to see there be a little bit more nurturing of that online relationship before we got to that point, to be honest. So we've just connected with Bob. What else? Any thoughts there, Tino? I would say... Well, these are guides, not rules, because I think there's nothing wrong with, yeah, there's a bit of social interaction, great, and they potentially could support some recall. When you just pick up the phone, right, just have a genuine conversation, just say, just, call, just tell them exactly what you're call, um, calling about and why. Uh, and if it's not the right time or um, moment of engagement, then what's the worst that could happen? But also you might say, look, if, it's not, if, it's now not a, if now's not a convenient time or if you prefer to interact or communicate by other means, i.e. email, would you like me to send an email? And more often than not, sometimes that is the preferred way to communicate at that stage of the journey or uh, where you're at with a person. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got an email address so you can communicate with them through email, which is their preferred method. And content through your feed starts to play the bit of the nurturing game as well. Get them top of mind if you're pushing out good content. I think there's different... I think you call it cadence, Mark, uh, or different combination of what touch point to use when. And I think everyone will have an optimal sort of combination depending on what their brand is, who their audience is, et cetera. Yeah, and I think it's important that you know we understand that the calling and leaving a, a good quality message, acknowledging that you're calling, is part of that cadence, right? So it's like, you know, so we go gab, 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 and then right hook. So, you know, there's lots of jabs where we're just trying to gauge a level of interest. And a telephone call can be a, can be a jab. It doesn't have to be a right hook, right hook. And if they don't pick up the telephone, then there has to be a jab. Jabs and an up. up it sounds like a boxing match. <laughs> I call them touch points. Let's call them touch points. <laughs> well, I'm ripping off Gary V's book. So, you know, he's jab, 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 right hook, his book. Where, uh, uh, yeah. you, have, you haven't read that, no? I haven't read it. I've heard of it, though, yes. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> we can certainly use the call as a jab. So, Chris, without any notice, if I was to call up, so we've, you know, we've swapped a couple of bits and pieces on LinkedIn, you know, and, and I do think we should be making our move to have extend the conversation relatively early in that relationship on social. Because I think the interesting thing with social is that, you know, the longer you leave it, the harder it is almost to re, you're almost restarting from cold again. If we were to ring Chris and not get through, how could you make that a jab? You know, do you have a message structure that you like to, to leave that's still going to be able to leave the door open for further conversation, whether that be via email or social or, or indeed another phone call? Are we talking about a voicemail if they don't answer? Yeah. Yeah, voicemail is an interesting one. I would probably pose it back to maybe Tina or Stu because I'm, I'm sure you check your messages, Mark. But Tina or Stu, honestly, how often do you guys check your voicemails when you get a notification to say that you have a voicemail? Not that often. In fact, some of them I don't even listen to. Interesting, Stu. 
why I don't have voicemail for this exact reason because I one don't want to listen to them and two when I did have one it was just idiots being like oh I called you I'll call you back so I was like it's just a waste of my time (laughs) (laughs) okay now off the back of that keynote because you're probably more in the profile of what I would think would be a a typical senior management position right that I get at least eight marketing calls a day uh with voice messages so yeah I'll get along perfect okay so first call there's a voicemail probably not likely to be listened to. Let's say someone called you once, twice, maybe three times over, let's say, two days. And then on the third one, they left a voice message. Right? And we're assuming that you've got some kind of number recognition going on here. Would that change the likelihood of you listening to that voicemail? That's a very clever question because it would get me curious. Okay, real life story. It's happened in the last week. I've received a number of missed calls day after day from the same number. They didn't leave a voice message, but if they did, it would get me curious because it's like, okay, after the first three times, okay, they're just trying to get in touch with me, have a couple of cracks at it. But then if it keeps going, it's like, okay, it must be really important uh, and they're really keen. So like, it, I don't know, I feel like there's an inflection point at a certain part where it's like, it must be important and now it's making me curious. So I probably would listen to it after a certain point in time just to find out. What, what the hell it's all about. And I think there's a really good point that we need to make here in, in that the voice is the method or is the way that we're going to communicate. It doesn't necessarily need to be a call, but the script that you need to prepare is almost the same. So, Tino, what about if you received an audio message through LinkedIn message? Well, that's interesting because I... Uh, hmm. What about a video message? You've still got to use your voice. You've still got the same damn script, right? So we still need Chris's brain to go blah, 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 blah. It's just delivering it over one of those three different things, over those three different channels, video, telephone, or audio message. Stu, what have you got? Again, just to kind of highlight something that you mentioned there, Mark, which is this is um, too many of the conversations that I have with people, next level thinking, where you can be like, exactly as you guys are just saying, because I have the exact opposite frame of mind on phone calls from anonymous numbers to Tino. I'm like, the more someone calls me from an anonymous number, the more I know that it's just some spammy sales rubbish that I don't want to deal with. However, if I get a voice message on LinkedIn, it's likely that, you know, even if it's in mail, I can actually see that person. It's attached to their human actual profile. And then at least I can kind of be like, oh, well, if it's not interesting or whatever, I probably would listen to the message and see what they had to say. Um, whereas, yeah, like, as you're saying, like the traditional way of, you know, random number call over and over again, like I, th- I think that's kind of obviously works, but there's more effective ways to deploy the same process in other channels that are probably going to be way more successful. Okay. So I think it's about building what I call prospecting pressure, right? So, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's about getting to that point that Tino was saying, okay, whoever this person is clearly thinks they've got a significant message for me that I have to hear because they're not just sending two emails and stopping, or they're not just liking two social posts and stopping, or they're not just calling twice and stopping. There's more to it than that, which is becoming unusual. Chris. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And so, you know, further to what Stu was saying and, and kind of how Tina really reflected on it, there's a moment of curiosity. And there's, I think you're right, there is prospecting pressure because you, you want them to know that there is something important, there's value here. Exactly what Tino said, by doing it in a really strategic way and kind of thinking about what the person's going to be receiving, you're creating a moment of curiosity. If I called Tino, say, twice in the same day and then at a completely different time the next day, probably early enough so there's a bit of number recognition, 
that's the point that I would leave a voicemail with the assumption that that is more likely going to be listened to. The follow-up from that is where it gets interesting because in that voicemail, I might be really succinct and say, hey, it's uh, you know Chris calling from Mark McInnes Consulting, tried to reach you for a couple of days. And then at that point, I would drop in either the referral that we talked about or you know we've crossed paths on LinkedIn a couple of times, wanted to quickly introduce what we did, see if there might be further value. I'll touch base with you again shortly. Something that's going to create another level of interest, but also what I'm really careful of and what I uh, have found works really well is setting some kind of parameter so that if you call them back, they know what to expect. So the next time Tino gets a call from that number that's finally left a voicemail, he was curious enough to listen to it. That's building something subconsciously going on in his brain. But if I've then set a parameter that the next time I call you, it's going to be a brief conversation just want to introduce what we do in some more detail and then we can take it from there, Tino would be more likely to take that phone call and kind of suss out what's going on. Plus, he knows that I'm a human. I'm not, you know, scripting some crazy sales stuff. Now, I'm assuming here, Tino, but I would hope that would be correct if you had a a voicemail along those lines. The amount of calls that I get, it's not subconsciously, I'm like after a certain period of time, if they do leave a voice message, then everything that you've said that plays out is exactly how it does play out in real life. And so, yeah, it's, it's almost like, well, if you don't have time and you're busy, like most people are, this is voice in my head that says, look, if it's really important, they'll call me back again. Yeah. And I think it's super important. And I know we, you spent some time on it at the start, but you've really got to figure out each persona around what's going to be appealing, but also the communication channels, you know? So, you know, if we were talking about a a VP of sales, I'd be just going straight to a um, voicemail through LinkedIn or straight to a video on LinkedIn. I think you can just, you know, they're going to see that and go, okay, I appreciate the boldness of that outreach because that's what I do as a salesperson. And so I think the barriers are different depending on their persona. Let's say that we've communicated with Bob. We've swapped a few messages. I want to wrap this up so that people have, and really leave it with some strong language, Chris. So I want people to be able to really use some of your knowledge here, some of your wisdom. Let's have it come up with two strategies. One, we've been interacting on LinkedIn. We've connected or we're close to connecting. And the the second one is we've actually got a meeting and now you've got to pick up the phone and and go for it. So over to you. Which one do you want to do first? Some of the the secret sauce. Well, I think the the cold call out of the blue is probably the best to go on because if you've got a booked in call, you've already got permission to talk to them. And that's one of the things that I encourage people to do when you're doing a cold call is get permission to talk to them. So I know that's kind of counterintuitive because you're already on the phone to them, but in the initial stages of the conversation. So going back to the upfront contract that we talked about before, that's where you're getting permission. And if you get permission there, then the conversation's open and both you and the other party know what's going to happen in that conversation. And if we had more time, I'd go into it, but that's all about easing the anxiety and setting up a bit of context for both parties. So what does that look like? There's probably two ways that I would encourage people to play it off the back of LinkedIn. And I guess it's which one you're more comfortable with. So let's say, Tino, I would call you out of the blue. I've got your mobile number or I've been passed through by reception. Hey, Tino, it's Chris calling from uh, Mark McKenna's Consulting. How are you? Right. Yep. Thank you. Hoping I've got you at a good time. I've noticed we've interacted on LinkedIn a couple of times and wanted to briefly introduce what we do in a little bit, a uh, little more detail to see if there might be some value in a further conversation. Is now a good time. 
I haven't put a uh, boundary of say 30 seconds, a minute or, or specifics, but I've set up a couple of things there where if he said yes, it's a bit more open, but you've got permission to have a really good conversation. The second one, which I kind of more favor, particularly from a pure cold calling point of view, you haven't connected with them on LinkedIn, they may not know who you are or make any connections, is same thing. How are you? Great. I thought I'd give you a call and introduce myself and Mark McKinnis Consulting as we've interacted on LinkedIn a couple of times. If you've got a minute, it would be great to explain what we do and uh, you can let me know if a, a further chat would be worth it for you. So the little inflections, I mean, you know, that's kind of verbatim. And if you wanted to really script it, you can, but kind of naturally flowing off, that will open the door. Yeah, so they're good openers, absolutely, Chris. There's a couple of things that I wanted to explore there, um, and I'm interested in your point of view. I don't like being asked, how am I? When mm. you know, like if, if So I actually prescribe, hey, thanks for taking my call. Do you have a moment? Like, so I don't even introduce myself. And then they go, uh, no, great. You know, when can I call you back? Okay, and they say, well, who is it? Well, it's Mark McGinnis calling from Chris Justice Consulting. Uh, wanted to get some time in your diary. When's, when's a good time for us to grab five minutes? So, because remember, you're just trying to call to make the meeting, right? So, I'm not expecting to have the meeting yep. there and then. Mm-hmm. And I know in financial services, there's some challenges around that because you have to say who you are, mm. right? And so, you have to say, hey, it's Mark from ANZ Bank. And then the second one is, do you say, do you have a moment? Is now a good time? I mean, now's never a good time. You know, whenever my phone rings, I'm never thinking, oh, phone call. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, just what I wanted. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, so maybe if I'm at a networking event standing in the corner, bored, tearless, you know. You'll take that call from that random hotel that you stayed at five years ago who's got a special that you never travel to anymore. Yeah. Yep, and, and there's some really good points. Personally, I like the how are you, and I'll come back to that. But in both of those scenarios, I didn't ask if it was a good time. I hoped that I got you at a good time. Oh. So I'm implying it. And the second one, I've said, if you have a minute, it would be great to explain what Mark McKinnis does in a little more detail. And then you can let me know if it's worth a further conversation. So it sounds very similar to, I hope, uh, you know, is now a good time, but it's not. And those key differences play out in a big way as, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're piecing together. The thing that I like is if it's not a sales call, right? What do 99% of calls start with? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? So I'm thinking about what's going on in this other person's head, right? They have no idea it's a sales call. They have no idea who I am. They have no idea where I'm from. And if I call and say, it's Chris calling from Mark McKinnis Consulting and say we have, I'm saying consulting, but anyway, your new business, run with it. If I say I'm calling from Mark McKinnis Consulting and we've rubbed shoulders a couple of times on LinkedIn, they're going to immediately start piecing it together. And the how are you is a diffuser. It, it's anything, anything different has the potential for assumptions. And that's what we want to remove with cold calls is we don't want to give people too much information or have an inflection that says I'm a salesperson or rushes through content that yeah. says I'm a salesperson, right? We want it to be authentic. We want it to be a, a conversation between two people. So if 99% of calls start with, you know, hi, it's Chris, how are you, right? Probably going to do the same. And then after that, that's when I can start setting up the boundaries and the context of the call in a way that I'm comfortable with. 
and I'm assuming the person on the other end of the phone is comfortable with too. I want to bring this to a conclusion so that we don't spend forever on this podcast. So two things, I guess, to um, just to round off. Uh, I think taking everything into account, don't be just don't be afraid of uh, introducing yourself properly and use the tools are there that not many people use. So I think you talked about Mark, you know, the voice messages. Everyone can do those. Hardly anybody does it. And video, which we use a lot, so like Loom and all those tools, just like just do something different and don't be afraid to like put your face to your name because you've kind of done it already on social. So like, yeah, I think it's it's easy to hide behind just a text message, but it's probably like the worst way to leverage the tools that are at your fingertips now. Yeah, Chris, any closing words from from you? Yeah, well, they're all really good points. I think now with the advent of LinkedIn and every salesperson having their face to their name, you can't just hide behind a phone and get rejected and then move on with your life and think there's going to be no recourse. There's a lot of added weight to it. So I would encourage people to lean towards authenticity. What is natural for you? Don't try and force something that you're not going to be able to follow through because humans are pretty perceptive and we pick up on it. And second to that is remember, yeah, you might be calling for a potential million dollar deal with another business, but at the end of the day, you're speaking to a person on the other, on the other end of the phone and they have no idea what's going on. Yep. So think about the person, not the business. Yeah. And I think my takeaway that I'd like people to take away would be, you know, that we don't need to have the world's best credible reasons to talk to somebody, right? Or to reach out to them. It just needs to be hey, you know, we've crossed paths on LinkedIn or I see we're connected to a couple of people or I was talking to Chris and Chris said you were a cool guy so I thought I'd ring up. Like those barriers for entry are significantly lower than most people think and they make them really difficult and I think that slows down a lot of the sales process. So yeah, that's it, really good. Really good points. It's just people just need to figure out how to use that linguistically, you know, like how to, what language do they use? And, and I, I like things like, you know, I saw we crossed paths on LinkedIn so it just made sense. I gave you a phone call. Mm. it just works right chris how can people get in contact with you thank you for coming on to the pod i really appreciate it bringing your expertise no problem well they can uh, jump in on my linkedin page i'm sure if you search chris justice you'll find me i don't think there's too many otherwise shoot me an email at chris.justice at hotmail.com lovely and thank you very much Stu. people can get in contact with you via linkedin primary i mean just go to linkedin <laughs> that's that's it Yep. Stuart P. Turner. Don't forget the P. Yes, Stuart P. Turner. Very important personal branding reasons for that. He's a stupid, famous engineer and a doctor that I'm competing with. So, uh, stuff competition. Tough crowd. Tino. Hit me up on LinkedIn. So, yeah, that's probably easiest. Yep. And I'm exactly the same. So, if you like this podcast, people, and you're a salesperson in APAC, send me a connection request saying, hey, Mark, loved your podcast. Let's connect. And I'll be connecting with you every day of the week. Make sure you send me a personalized connection request. I love those. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your buddies. We're keen to have as many people getting access to this awesome content as possible. Gentlemen, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks very, very much. So Chris, Stuart and Tino, you're absolute superstars, true masters of the best of social selling. Thank you very much. Listeners, I'll catch you all next week. Ciao. Please help others just like you find this podcast by spreading the word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you source your podcast. Thank you for listening to the Boss Podcast. 
Join us next time for even more tactics, discussion, and ideas to help you improve your social outreach.